Building a business is hard. Maintaining healthy relationships with those that you care about is hard. Staying fit and healthy in your body, your mind, and your emotions is hard. This podcast is about finding and sharing tools, strategies, and experiences that may help you to achieve and maintain moderate success in your life, whatever that means to you. There is a ton of content created by the billionaires, the ultra-successful athletes, and by people that are at a level that the vast majority of us will just never get to. And if you're anything like me, I'm totally okay with that. This is a place where we talk about how to build a great business, but not necessarily a massive one. A place to talk about how we build a life that is balanced and integrated, but not necessarily optimized to levels that are not realistic for most of us. In short, it's a place where we explore how to be moderately successful. The work will always remain yours, and for the most part, it's simple, but not easy. I want to challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. I want to challenge you to take whatever resonates with you from this episode and to teach it to somebody that you think will benefit from it, and to do so in the next 24 hours. This will embed the learnings for yourself, and you'll be helping someone else as well as the podcast. Lastly, please share this with whoever you think needs to have this in their lives. The more reach we can get, the more impact we can have. With that said, let's get into it. Today, I want to talk about trust and how it's a cliche, but how trust is earned and how important trust is in business, in life, in relationships, in everything. The trouble with trust, or at least my experience with trust, is that people are quick to say, trust me. And as my dad used to say, when when somebody says, trust me, unsolicited, it's a pretty much sure thing that that person's not trustworthy. But, you know, when somebody says, trust me, or when somebody says, trust is earned, like, that's cool. And I think we all know that. I don't think there's many people that would disagree with that. But how? And why does it matter? And I guess more importantly, especially in a business context and a professional context, how can we build trust and earn trust in an authentic and real and meaningful way? And this has been a journey for me, and I've made lots of mistakes along this path. And I can sort of list off all the, you know, be authentic and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I want to get into a little bit more detail about stuff that's worked for me in, in my career and stuff that I've observed. So the first one is off the back of a story, a little bit of an anecdote. And just before we were acquired, one of the last people we hired was a really, really cool, really strong senior engineer. And he's quite a sort of stoic type of dude. So not particularly excitable, very smart, very cool and very honest and direct. And we were very happy to get him on board. And one of the coolest things that I experienced was after about two months of him joining, I did my usual sort of one-on-one, which is not a retro and it's not a performance appraisal. It's really just a, just a catch up. And I remember asking him how things are going. And he sort of said with a very cool and straight face, he said, well, everything that you said Nona was, is true. And I've never experienced that before. And that's really great. And I was like, wow, that is, <laughs> that's really cool, actually. And I didn't realize how, how important that actually was. So what am I talking about here? I'm talking about the hiring process. When we're looking for the best talent, because, you know, especially in the engineering game, in the software game, talent is, is possibly the most difficult thing to acquire. But we maybe get a bit excited and we make claims and we tell people and candidates, hey, we're amazing at this, we're amazing at that, we'll give you this, we'll give you that. And I guess what I'm saying here is one of the ways to build trust is create a process to follow up pretty quickly after someone has joined your business. And you just sort of ask them the question, 
hey, we made a whole lot of claims and we made a whole lot of sort of statements and we told you a whole lot of stuff. Have we delivered on all of that stuff? And that's the first part. The person hopefully will be honest with you and tell you if you have or you haven't. If you have, well, awesome. Well done to you. And that's amazing. And, and I commend you. Chances are, though, you probably haven't because most of us do make sort of too many promises in the hiring process and things we want to do and might do later, but maybe we don't deliver on all of them 100%. So if that person has got the courage to tell you, you know what, actually, these three things you said, you guys haven't really delivered on these, you know, and I can see you trying or I can see this or, but actually, no, you haven't. What you do next is really what matters. The important part here is that at that point, you acknowledge it and you make a real effort to take action to begin to deliver on those things. So this might sound like a simple thing, but by simply closing that loop, when you're hiring people to say, this is what we're going to give you, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to deliver, this is the environment you're joining, et cetera, et cetera. And then putting yourself out there to ask for that feedback quite quickly after they've joined and saying, hey, have we actually delivered on our promises is a great way to build trust and, and let's call it a sort of safety in, in the environment that you've created. So that's the first thing. The second thing is something we've heard a million times before, and that is, you know, show vulnerability. As a leader in a business, it's critical to show vulnerability, in my opinion. But again, like, how do you do this? Because I also acknowledge that there's a fine line to walk here. One needs to show vulnerability. But if you're the leader of your business, you also need to show that you've got things together, that you are calm in the storm that you are leading the business, that you are constantly evaluating and setting the vision and bringing people along with you. It's not that you have to have all the answers. It's totally fine to not have the answers all the time. But we have to be careful about sort of going too far on this one and having enough of this one. And in my experience, most leaders have got pretty big egos, me included. And this is something that I really had to work on and continue to have to work on. And let me try and share some of the stuff that sort of worked for me. So when I went and started this journey at, at Nona, <laughs> I used to do a lot of sort of container building and trust building stuff. And my leadership team, my partners were <laughs> very smart, very opinionated, very difficult to impress people. And they kind of, in the early days when I started building in these processes and these questions and these, you know, very kumbaya style things, I got a lot of eye rolls and a lot of like, oh my God, Mike's going on this stuff again and whatever. And then pretty soon it sort of became affectionately known as Mike's hippie bullshit. But then... The interesting thing is over time, Mike's hippie bullshit was one of the top things that they all asked for in the lead up to every offsite. So we would send out things saying, hey, what are the top three things you want to achieve from the offsite? And almost always, at least one or two of the people would say some more of Mike's hippie bullshit. And it's not actually that surprising because when you can open up the vulnerabilities of people, you really get to a much deeper sense of connection and a much deeper sense of trust and a much, much better environment through which to make decisions, have conflict and move through difficult environments and, and situations. But how do you do that again? So the way that I did it and the way that I continue to do it is you might come up with some sort of exercise that is designed to show vulnerability and build trust. What was critical for me is that I always went first. So I was always the one to be prepared to be vulnerable, to be prepared to be embarrassed, to be prepared to be awkward. And that's not easy for me. But if I was asking a difficult question of the group, it was really important that I would expose myself first, that I would be vulnerable first, that I would be the awkward one explaining what we're doing and be prepared to get it wrong and fail and look like an idiot and all of those things. And it really, it took a long time. It didn't happen in one sitting, but over the years, that really led to deep trust. And after a while, it doesn't matter if you go first or last, but in those early, early moments, it's really critical that 
you as the leader are prepared to put yourself out, prepared to look stupid, prepared to fail, prepared to be embarrassed, prepared to be vulnerable. Because that action alone allows other people to step into that vulnerability and allows other people to step into a, a safer space through which they can share. And that leads to better decision making. The next thing that I want to share, another very practical thing, is to create actual feedback loops with your staff. So what am I talking about here? Many companies, many leaders create different forms of feedback. So what I'm talking about here in its simplest form is, let's call it a start, stop, continue form. So you send out a form to everybody in your business and you say, hey, what should we start at our business? What should we stop doing at our business? And what should we do more of at our business? And then in our case, we would ask everyone to rate how engaged they've been for the last three months on a one to 10 scale. And the net promoter score question, you know, would you recommend Nona as a great place to work given your experience over the last three months on a scale of one to 10? So sending out that form is great and that's better than doing nothing. But that's just the beginning. It's not enough to just simply send out that form. What really matters is what comes next. So in our case, we were a team of about 35, 40 people. So I acknowledge that if you're a really big business, this, this might not be practical, but you'll figure out how to do it within your teams. If you're smaller than 40 people, I think it's totally practical. So we would send out the start, stop, continues in the lead up to every quarterly offsite. I'd have to nudge everybody to fill them out. And we would get every single person in the business to fill out those forms. What should we stop doing? What should we start doing? What should we do more of? How engaged have I felt over the last three months? And would I recommend Nona as a great place to work given the last three months experience? We would then as a leadership team sit down and we would read every single person's responses, every single person. While we were doing that, we would populate to-do lists off that. Some of the stuff we would action because some of it was really useful. Some of it we would not action but we felt like it was important to get back to that person to explain to them why we're not actioning it or that it's a great idea and we will action it. But the point here is that you're actively reading this stuff together in dedicated time and you're actively getting back to people to come back to them, to feed back to them on the time that they've taken to actually give you the feedback you've asked for. In addition to that, every quarter we would retro everybody. So retrospective, you might call it a review, you might call it a catch up call it whatever you want, we would by default roll in the individual's answers into their retro. So once again, whoever was retroing them, they would roll in the start, stop, continues into that retro discussion. Again, what you're doing here is you're creating a feedback loop. It's not actually so much about whether or not you action the items. It's about making people know and feel that if they tell you something, you're actually going to read it and you're actually going to think about it and you might even action it. And if you don't action it, you're going to tell them why. There's two reasons for this. One, it's to build credibility and to build that sense of if I speak to the leaders in the business, they'll actually hear me. The other thing is you're also getting a ton of good ideas, right? Like Jim Collins says, hire the best people we can and then get out of their way. But so few of us actively try and get these great people that we've spent so much money and time and effort on hiring actively getting them into the room to help solve difficult problems. So it's really a no-brainer, in my opinion, and it really worked wonders for us at Nona. The next one is a bit more sort of high level, but it's just a sort of personal trait, but it's develop a reputation for being somebody that does what they simply say they're going to do, right? This might sound simple, but there are very few people that actually are very good at following through on every commitment they make, right? And this could be as small as whether or not you are late, whether or not you show up on time. It can be as big as some massive commitment that you've made. But I want to just walk through a couple of things to consider here. So 
in my experience, if you develop this kind of a reputation over years, it pays back in dividends massively, 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 because you get known as having a reputation as somebody that will do what they say they're going to do, as somebody that can deliver, as somebody that will not overpromise and underdeliver, but in fact, probably the other. You get a reputation of surrounding yourself with people who are similar to you, which means you're generally going to have a group of people and peers around you that are very strong at execution, very strong at getting things done, very strong at challenging things so that what they commit to is actually of high quality. So at Nona, the context there was we built software for people. We built custom software for people. And in that game, simply saying, simply doing what you've said you're going to do will differentiate and separate you from most companies that you're competing with because of the extreme opacity in the industry. So somebody comes to you and says, hey, we want to build this MVP. That can be done in a million different ways at a million different quality levels. And simply doing things the right way and how you've said you're going to do them will differentiate you because it's so easy to cut corners and it's so easy to drop the quality level. So for us, it was a very difficult and constant challenge, but something that I'm very proud of is that we held ourselves to very high standards and eventually developed an, a reputation in the industry of kind of like the company you go to when you want stuff built right. And that's a really good reputation to have within your business, right? There's no bells and whistles there, no frills, but it's just like, okay, look, these guys might be a bit more expensive than the other guys, but if you want it done right, you go to them. It's become almost cliche, but you've probably heard a million times, you know, investors don't invest in products, they invest in people. And what do they look for in the people? They look for reliability. They look for resilience. They look for the ability to adapt, to change, to morph with the situations. They look for the ability to overcome challenges and hurdles. And by being very deliberate about what you are committing to and then following through on everything you commit to, you go a long way to build this kind of a reputation. And the investor lens is a great lens to look through because when you are known as somebody that does that, that's the kind of person that an investor wants to run their business. In other words, to, to sort of increase the chances of, of success for their investment. This really does start with the small things, in my opinion. Never be late to meetings. Always end your meetings that you're running on time. People don't like meetings that run over time. Anyone that's worked with me will tell you that I'm absolutely intense about ending the meetings that I'm running on time. It's different if you're having a catch up, like just a chat with someone, that's a different thing. But if I've called somebody into a meeting, you know, I've got a two hour meeting later on today for my team. And there is absolutely no ways that I will let that, that meeting run even one minute over because you, you're actually decreasing credibility when you do that. If you've made a commitment to somebody, everybody's time is very important. By simply showing up on time every time and ending the meeting on time every time and putting the, the effort into plan that meeting and that agenda such that it will start and end on time and still be hugely effective, you begin to develop a reputation of credibility, accountability. Try it. It really does work. The last thing I want to talk about is, is sort of even more high level and maybe a bit more personal, but it's, it's developing the muscle of doing the right thing all the time. And what do I mean by that? I think a great way to express that is to always do the right thing, especially when nobody's watching. A small example of this is sometimes, I'm sure you can all relate to this, sometimes I'll be going for a walk or a run or a ride or whatever, and I might see like a piece of litter on the trail. Nobody would know if I stopped and picked that up. Nobody would know if I didn't. And it just, for me, it's a great way to kind of build the muscle of doing the right thing is to stop pick up that piece of litter, throw it away. Nobody will ever know. Nobody will ever see it. You shouldn't tell anyone about that if you do, that's weird. And 
you're just building this muscle of doing the right thing just because it's the right thing to do, not because someone's watching, not because there's an outcome. People are not stupid. People are perceptive. And if you're only doing the quote unquote right thing to get something from someone or to manipulate, people will pick that up. And that's kind of the opposite of what I'm trying to get across here. But the stuff needs practice, in my opinion. You need to build and develop the muscle of constantly doing the right thing for the sake of it being right. Again, if you do that, it becomes completely second nature. You just do the thing because it needs to be done. You help the person because they need help, not because of acknowledgement. You might even, depending on your means, you might pay to help somebody and just never even tell them that you paid for it. You just do it because it needs to be done, not for the recognition, not for the outcome. If you do this all the time, it becomes second nature. The way you show up in the world is just by default that way. And I've seen it time and time again. You know, the guys that I worked with at Nona had such incredibly strong moral compasses. And so many times there were opportunity to take advantage of things. And there was just this default of someone in the team just going, no, like we could totally do that, but we're not going to do that. We're going to do this. Yes, it's harder. Yes, it doesn't make as much money, but there's just no question here. Like it's, it's the right thing to do. We would use far more profanity in the way we described it, but it's effectively the same thing. So that might sound simple, but just sort of ask yourself, like how many times do you maybe not do the right thing, no matter how small it is, because nobody's watching? If we develop that muscle, it just becomes default. If it becomes default, it's how we show up in the world, in our businesses, in our teams. If we show up like that by default, we develop that reputation. If we develop that reputation, it leads to higher trust. So that's all I want to share for today. Really, really simple topic. But, you know, as always, simple doesn't mean easy. And for me, I'm always striving to look for the practical application of a lot of these things, not just the theory, not just the kind of academic view of it. So those are some things that have worked for me. Hopefully there was some value in it today and I'll see you back again soon for the next show. If you want to talk about working with me as a business improvement coach, please reach out either on mike at smbmastery.com.au or you can find me on LinkedIn. Please do share this podcast with whoever you think will get value from it. And if you have five minutes, please do give us a rating and review. They really do help with making the podcast visible. The link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening and I'll be back soon with the next episode.